Here they come! And welcome to episode 28A of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today we have a bonus episode carrying on from the previous one where Andrew and I discuss Meg Mucklebones from Legend. Hello, Andrew. Hello again. Hello again. <laughs> for us, it's only been a couple of minutes. I don't know. Maybe it'll be a couple of days for uh, people listening to this. But uh, we were talking off air about, you know, Rob Bottin's work and everything. And um, <clears throat> it had occurred to me to do a solo episode on Meg Mucklebones because uh, I think uh, she's a terrific creation uh, done very, very well. But it's such a very, very short sequence. So I was going to do a solo episode on her. But then I thought, while I had you on to do the thing episode, uh, maybe we could just talk about it for a little mini episode. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Legend, then, where do you and Legend uh, uh, go back? I had to travel across to um, the next town to see Legend, and I think I did recount this off air previously to you on one of the other ones that uh, I had to sit through the Rupert and the Frog Song chorus. And then what happened is the, the main feature actually did break down. Um, so we had to wait essentially what would have been a, a full show in the cinema until they sorted this out and then had to stick through Rupert again. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, got to see Legend, uh, loved it. And then I think I went back about three or four days later to see it for a second time. So I did see it twice at the cinema in its day. Um, and yeah, I absolutely thought it was fantastic visually. I, you know, I think it's one of the nicest looking movies. Um, you know, and um, you know, on the back of obviously what he'd done previously, Duelists, Alien, Blade Runner, and then Legend. You know, I thought that this guy's on a real roll. You know, yeah, um, yeah. And I know it doesn't necessarily get you know great reviews, and Tom Cruise never does any interviews about it, and you know, uh, but I do know a lot of people who like it. If I ever put posts of it on Instagram, I get a hell of a you know good feed- mm. feedback of people saying you know one of my favourite movies. You know, so it does have an audience out there. Yeah, I mean, it's a film I, I I like a lot. I mean, like you say, you know, it's Ridley Scott and off the back of, you know, Blade Runner, Alien and the Duelists. And um, I think I'm like yourself as well, a big fan of Excalibur. Yeah. Um, so to me, looking at, you know, the trailer for it, um, it looked like, oh, this is Ridley Scott doing a fantasy version. And it looks a bit like Excalibur. So I was totally up for it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of um, English mythology mm-hmm. as well. So, uh, you know, it was pushing all the right buttons for me. Um, I think the cinema I worked at, I think we only had it a week. I think it, I don't think it lasted at all. And I think people were rather puzzled by it yeah. because you did have a lot of small children <laughs> coming along to see it. I think yeah, it well, suffered from was marketing it? was a bit of a problem. Was it an air certificate? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, yes. I, I, honestly, yeah, I couldn't really recall what it would have been. But, yeah, there was no 12s then. So, yeah, 
Uh, no, no, no. It was an A, yes. So people just assume, you know, oh, it, it, it must be for children. It's exactly the same thing as when we had Amadeus. Yeah. When we showed Amadeus, because that was like a U or an A, everybody just assumed, oh, it's a U film. It must be for children. Right, <laughs> yeah. If you do read the interviews, though, with the, um, the, the guy who wrote the screenplay for Legend, I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, um, but he did say the original... Uh, was a lot more darker and you know there was kind of almost like a a, a, a love scene sex scene between darkness and lily you know mm. m- much more kind of uh based on you know like the paintings of Hieronymus bosch and those type yeah. of things and um you know a bit like ken russell's gothic as well you know much more kind of sensual you know, there's an element of the sensuality between and between lily and darkness but i think it really was a case of they did get it on you know yeah um, yeah i've read somewhere that that's when they stepped in and said uh no this can't happen because if she gives in to the dark side yeah, if you if, yeah. if you like the audience lose sympathy for her she has to be pure yeah. you cannot have her you know being tainted yeah if you will yeah but you know th- th- there was that but i mean you know it's one of these movies again you know you've you've heard stories over the years about it's it's running time and i think you know the version i seen at the cinema was like just a 90 minute cut possibly yeah that's the one we you know, showed yeah. uh, which was the jerry goldsmith score because again yes a lot of the time um on my instagram account people there's this big argument between the tangerine dream and the um the goldsmith and i said well i grew up with the goldsmith score and you know the tangerine dream even though i do love that uh, group and I do quite like their score. It's not the version I grew up with, you know. Uh, no. So that's you know very difficult for me to to like it more. Uh, mm. You know, it, it's the same as me with uh, Mad Max Two: The Road Warrior. I watched that so many times, you know, that uh, for me the uh, the American dub version. Yeah. I, I prefer more than the Australian original language one because it just doesn't seem right yeah, to me, yeah. you know. But the, the great story I remember was Tangerine Dream as well. In an interview in, I think it was Cine Fantastique, they actually said that they were sort of like sat in front of the movie and watched it and uh, came away and said, why on earth do you want us to rescore this? It's brilliant. You know, Jerry mm. Goldsmith's music's fantastic. And they said, well, you know, we want you to do the job. Do you want it or not? And they sort of said, well, yeah, you know, we're not going to turn down the money. Mm. Uh, but then equally, they were a bit narked later on because they found out that they'd uh, used John Anderson to bl- put some lyrics on one of the tracks. And they'd also brought in Brian Ferry. Mm. And so even... Oh, e- God. So, so, I've forgotten yeah. about Brian Ferry. Yeah, so even <laughs> they were a bit kind of put out that, yeah, we, we didn't even get to do the version we wanted to do because it was changed again, you know, but it was purely mm. to market to the Americans. And, uh, yeah, but, they, you know, they, they actually said, we, we love Goldsmith's car, but, you know, we're mm. not going to turn down that sort of money. Um, you know, they were willing to pay us to rescore the movie. Uh, whether Ridley Scott had anything that much to do with the American score or not, I don't know. I don't know how hands-on he was whether he flew out to germany or whatever and you know where they, they were and uh oversaw it or whether he just let them get on with it i don't know mm-hmm. uh, i've never really heard uh, him talk about the the alternate score really but uh, mm. yeah but the, the, the meg sequence shall, shall we continue with that yeah let's go ahead with the clip then so uh here we go with the clip Come to me, you 
Um, always uh, this sequence coming up with with Meg. I don't know. There's just something about the forest um, and everything. I know. I know it's a soundstage yeah. just outside London, um, and it something about it always reminds me of the Dagobah set yeah. in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, you know. I mean, um, you know, it's it's fantastic that it is a set because I mean they've got so much more control over it. But then you've got this uh, sort of what is called the Great Tree which is almost like where darkness is fortresses. And it's, it's a bit nondescript. You know, you never kind of get to see it in enough detail to actually work out what it is. It's just this big kind of shadow in the distance with mm. the swamp in front of it. And um, you can sort of see what look like birds flying around, crows or something. I don't know whether yes. they're on wires, but, um, you know, you've just... And it is a little bit kind of like, oh, I want to see a bit more of that. But it's, the, the, there's elements of this movie which I think are a little bit kind of kept in the shadows too much. Um, mm. You know, uh, it might have been possibly visible more in a longer cut, maybe. But uh, you know, I think the, the the swamp and stuff. Yeah, there's there's the Dagobah. Uh, again, there's there's Krull. They've got a swamp. Yes, true. Um, you know, <laughs> going back to Krull. Yeah, it could be the Bog of Eternal Stench it, from Labyrinth. It could be, as well. Yeah. I mean, there must be yeah. there must be quite hard to set up these type of sets. You know, with uh, with a lot of water and things. Um, I don't know whether there's a specific soundstage for these type of shots, you know, with a with a trench pre-built in. But um... see, see, I looking at this sequence, I was trying to figure it out. Meg, when when she makes her appearance, yeah. right now, is that Robert? Bless him, Robert Picardo. Is is that him like crouched down under the water and just coming up? Because it looks to me like. She, he comes out of that water with with an awful lot of speed, almost like they're on some sort of like ram device. Or yeah, something. I'd, I'd probably agree with that because I, when I watch the clip, um, yeah, there's a hell of a force, and it does look like it's on some kind of air ram, like she's jetsoned out. Um, I very much, unless Picardo's literally strapped to like a board, you know, mm. and, and and fired out, but. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I get the feeling it might be sort of a dummy at that point. But it it's sort of such a great sequence that I think even just on my first viewing of this, it left such an impression. You know, mm. you, you you don't you don't like kind of come out and sort of it just you think, oh, Meg Mucklebones was stunning in in a, in a, in a you know as a sequence, not as a a looking character. She's far from stunning. Oh, I know, no, 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 I, I think she's wonderful. I really do. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, you know, she comes up out the water in front of Jack there, and it's it, the angle is 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 fantastic, yeah. and it's cut again. The is it Terry Rawlings doing the editing? I think do so. You know? Yeah, I think it was Terry Rawlings. Yeah. It was Alex Thompson doing the director of photography, right? Um, and uh, I think it was Terry Rawlings because uh, Thompson, you know, he again, he he, funnily enough, he did Labyrinth as well. Um, you know, they did Alien 3 later on in his career, and I think he did The Cape. Um, you know, he's done some good films, Alex Thompson. He's a very good director yeah, of yeah, photography. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, great, great, uh, great sequence. It's a wonderful moment, and and uh, like you say, it's got a lot of force to it. You've got a lot of water going on. There's a lot going on in that frame. Yeah, uh, uh, as she comes up and uh, looks down at, at, at Jack, and I don't know. I mean, I I. I, I watched it a few times. As I say, the cinema only had it for a while. And, you know, I, I watched the darkness bit at the end, the yeah. battle with Jack and, and this. And um, I don't know what the audience were making of it. I don't know what children were making of it. I know our children, I've, I've shown it to all three of our children when they were younger. Yeah. And they, 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 they were kind of freaked out by it. You know, yeah. they, didn't, they, they, they didn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's kind of almost like a, a, a Disney villain, isn't it? You know, kind of the sort of the Wicked Witch in Snow White. It's a Wizard of Oz. I, I was going to say, it's, I, I get a Wizard of Oz, yeah. you know, the, 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 the witch from that vibe off of her, you know? Yeah, it's an incredibly scary look and those contact lenses. I think, I think they're not pure white either. I think they've got like a little kind of black dot in the middle. I, I could never tell. I mean, the, the, the scene is lit, you know, with this blue tint and, it, and it's very much light and dark. It was very hard. You can see her, but you can't pick out details. And I, but if you Google, you know, Meg Mucklebones, you see a, a, a lot of like sideshow style, yeah. you know, busts and recreation. And there was a Todd McFarlane action figure, wasn't there, yeah. uh, like 10 years ago, where, yeah, she does seem to just have these like creamy contacts or something yeah i think i, I do recall from the blu-ray that you can see just like it, it, right in the middle it's almost just like a black dot now whether that's just to let picardo see out because it, it, them spiral type lenses i think if they do make mm. you essentially blind yeah. uh, unless there's somewhere to see out so um whether he could see but again this is another one of those things where you know i've never seen anything behind the scenes of him being mm. even fit into this so uh, one thing I was going to say about Mega Mucklebones, and no one ever seems to bring up, is you never kind of get to see the legs. I, while I was saying about the action figure, and, and then we started thinking, it's like mention the legs because the action figure has legs, right? Okay, but the way this scene is done, you never see her legs, you never see her waist. And I remember, you know, sometime I don't know, late eighties, I decided uh, I don't think I've got a photo to put up on Facebook, but I sculpted my own Meg Mucklebones, right? Which I painted blue because that's the colour she was in the film. But I sculpted her around a, a toilet roll tube, right? Okay, so she was basically a tube with like head, shoulders, and and breasts, and and that on the top. Yeah. But yeah, no, you never see the legs, do you? And I, I like to think of the fact that she hasn't got legs. Yeah, it it's kind of. I think Miles Teves or Tevers, who designed it, there's an illustration uh, he did where it does show you um, a side sort of, you know, it is the front side and back view of Meg naked. And mm -hmm. she's got this huge kind of, you know, hunched back on his illustration and these like mm. sagging boobs and this sort of bottom, but does have just essentially human legs. But I, I, I'd almost like to kind of think she was a bit more Medusa and she was a bit more. Yeah, snake serpent below. Uh, yeah. I think there's. I think there might be one shot that you do see where she appears to kind of from possibly the maybe's not the waist but slightly near there. It looks like netting, like she's kind mm. of got net, netting, you know, around her or something. Um, yeah, it looks like that or weeds or something around her shoulders as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, know, it's, it either, like... it's either weeds or netting that she's kind of got. But uh, there is several sculptures as well. I have seen where you know they have kind of give her this, these kind of just humanoid legs but the the tethers one uh, she's she's got this really kind of almost like a, a hump 
like a hunch that goes equally yeah. as big as a head. You know, she, I think that was in a Fangoria photo because I I, I think I, I I used my you know it's pre-internet I used my photo reference for the sculpt I did from a Fangoria photo yeah. and she definitely had the hump. I tell you what, the hump and the hook nose. She always reminds me of a bit like Mr. Punch from Punch and Judy. Yeah, and she's got the, that you know? kind of real puckered mouth, hasn't she? Uh, and the fantastic teeth. Yeah. I still, to this day, can't believe that's Robert Picardo. Yeah. <laughs> I really can't. But, uh, but in the same same way, I can't believe that he's uh, Eddie Quint in The Howling, at the beginning of The Howling, you know? Yeah, I th- I, I've always wanted to sort of know what the relationship between Bottin and Picardo was, because it, it seems like it's one of these things, when it, when you're younger and you're doing these type of things, you've always got a mate who's willing to be the, the <laughs> guinea pig for these experiments, you know? I used to have, yeah. you know, um, a friend of the family, you know, and if I wanted to try prosthetic stuff out, this was the guy to go to, this uh, David. And um, I, maybe it's the word genuine mates before, because he, he seemed to work with him a lot, didn't he? I mean, you know, you're going, mm. you're going from, uh, like you said, the howling. I don't know whether he's in Piranha or not, um, Picard. I don't know. But, Isn't uh, he the voice of the robot taxi driver in Yeah, Total yeah, he's, he's, the, he's the Johnny Cab. Yeah. Uh, he was yeah. in... Um, uh, Inner Space, which again is another one Botting worked on. He's my favourite character, the cowboy in that. Yeah, the cowboy. <laughs> so, you know, there, there was a whole slew of movies that they worked on together. Um, so, you know, I get the feeling they probably were mates, um, you know, in these case of who can I, who can I torture sort of thing yeah. with prosthetics? Oh, no, I'll give Bob Just a like call. you did with your mate. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, it's a case of um, for, for quite a lot of these movies, I had no idea what Robert Picardo ever looked like, you know, because he was always under prosthetics but uh it, and of course here he's dubbed i don't know whose voice that is but that is one creepy ass you know yeah which voice isn't it yeah this is another one of those things where you know it's a bit like um sam jones in flash gone i don't think we'll ever find out who did the dubbing you know no. it might have just been some jobbing person you know brought in like you know sort of studio hire uh but it would be nice to find out who did the voice and hear the original. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that the original was lousy because he's under so much makeup, and you know there was probably all sorts of onset sounds, and you know it, it'd probably be a muffled, a muffled mess with those teeth in. Mm. But uh, yeah. yeah, I used to go and watch this scene, you know, as I say, and you know, I I, I could see that the audience was, you know uncomfortable and it's just the way she looks and then she sort of like does a head lunge towards the camera doesn't yeah. she and jack repels and that's what i use I, I can remember children crying and starting to you know complain to their mer- yeah. parents because that if, if you're little if you're six and you're in a big cinema dark cinema with a 30 foot screen yeah. <laughs> with this face peering at you you know it's it's so weird that it's such a short sequence and the character doesn't even survive the sequence and yet it's such an iconic character i mean how how long does the sequence even last about two or three minutes about three minutes something yeah. like that yeah. in, in the director's yeah. cut there's some extra sequences when um you know he's kind of um she, she's sort of infatuated with her own reflection and he's trying to draw the sword without yeah. you know <laughs> her seeing um so there's a couple of extra lines in that but nothing substantial um but yeah, and then the decapitation's a bit weird as well, isn't it? Because you don't really quite see what happens. No, it's, it, no, and, and again, that could be just to cut it to get ease the rating. Yeah, you, you kind of you see him sort of slash the sword up, and I think you see the head sort of almost it, tilt back, but it, it's yes. not kind of it doesn't plop into the water or anything, and 
she's still kind of screaming as this is happening. Yeah. So whether he doesn't put the head completely off, because there's still all those noises as she kind of gurgles under the water. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he yeah. Maybe, I, maybe he just kind of sort of slits the throat or something. Yeah, I'll tell you what I like in this sequence is when he's saying, you know, gaze at your reflection, yeah. you know, blah, yeah. blah. And, and you see that, like, distorted image of her in the... Uh, in the shield and she puts her fingernails yeah, on it and you get that scraping yeah. <laughs> down the shield. Yeah, <laughs> just just across like the sort of embossed part of the shield she's yeah. Yeah. And it's her laugh when she's going on about, you know, oh yeah, yeah, yeah you know. It's when she says, oh, oh, in, the... oh indeed I do, it's that bit, isn't it? Indeed I do yeah. and then starts cackling and saying about oh be you as sweet as your tongue. You yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love this sequence. Oh, it is like kind of the definitive kind of almost like wicked witch type thing. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, she, she's obviously meant to be some kind of monster, but also like a witch. Mm. Um, and there's lots of kind of skulls on spikes and things and armor as well, isn't it? Like, you know, she's killed all of these different people who've tried to cross the swamp. Yeah, and I do wonder if, you know, this is deliberate, that it's kept so dark. If it was lighter and you could see all these bodies, you know, the sensor would have had more of a problem with it. Yeah. And the audience might have had a problem with it, yeah. you know. But, yeah, it's fantastic. And I say, you know, there's a – I think – I assume it was possibly a combination of Miles Tevers or Miles Teves. I can never know how to pronounce this guy's name. And Rob Boyin or Boatin, depending on how people say it, <laughs> uh, who, who did the uh, – did the design work uh, sculpting wise i think uh, you know there's been several people um you know mentioned uh, involved in the sculpting of it as well because it's quite a big creation yeah uh, there's nothing left of picardo there is there you know not really i assume he's in like full body suit arms everything isn't he um, yeah, yeah yeah you know but uh, yeah it would be interesting to just see what was going on with the legs on the day you know whether the, it, it did have legs or whether it it was just a case of let's just keep it ambiguous. Uh, there's a fetch. Well, I've I've tried looking. I can't find it. I can't find any behind the scenes. I mean, we were talking in the thing episode there. It, it seems that Rob Bottin kept a lid on a lot of the techniques being used, whether they were done by himself or or members of his crew. You know, um, and and it's such a shame. It's such a shame that uh, you know these things are um, you know just not out there. Yeah, because you know the, the most movies have essentially like a. a a unit photographer don't they you know i think it was um bob penn on films like uh aliens and stuff and it was his mm -hmm. job to kind of go around and sort of be the, the the photographer the unit you know take the behind the scenes so you'd assume somebody's job would have been i mean i'm sure that they're in the credits as uh you know still photographer unit photographer yeah. so somebody probably was uh you know just walking around taking pictures of all this getting made and set up and uh and it, and it would be nice. I mean, you know, I mean, the film did win an Oscar for, for, for makeup. And, you know, there are, you know, photos of Tim Curry un, undergoing his, you know, prosthetics work to make him up as darkness. You even see the the alternatives uh, color scheme tests when he wasn't red. Yeah. Don't yeah. You? Which, which but, is in the uh, American cut, isn't it? When he was like black. Yeah. Like a blacky blue. Yeah. And I think it's sort of uh, he has kind of bright green contact lenses and fingernails yeah it's not it's not as good is it i prefer the red yeah i i um, also didn't like that because darkness doesn't get revealed to the audience in the regular cut until he physically comes out of the mirror 
That's right, um, and you get the leg coming yeah, out. Yeah, and that's you? a great reveal, but in the American cut, you, he's just sat there in this chair, you know, kind of... Yeah, it's like a Conan moment, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's kind of... In his chair. He's, he's bathed in this sort of blue light, um, and mm. he's got these contact lenses glowing, and he's... he's I, I wasn't so bothered about the eyes, it was the, the fact he's got these green glowing fingernails. It makes him look mm. like a... Something from like a Scooby Doo cartoon or something, um, but yeah, it was like really like what a way to sort of introduce your villain, like you know, and spoil it. You know, he he's he's a voice and he's a presence until he reveals himself to Lily. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's him. There's no hint of what's going on with Meg when she reveals herself. It's just this. No. You, you see, Brown Tom, I think, kind of gets sort of fall into the water, and then mm. uh, he, he Jack. Tom Cruise runs across the logs and suddenly Meg just like said, spring, springs out of nowhere. There's no, there's no build-up or anything. There's no kind of, you know, sort of shot of like fingers on the trees or something in the water. Um, yeah, she's just suddenly there. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, it's just a shame, shame. It's such a great, you know, effect sequence and, and there's so little about it. Mm. So I haven't got anything in behind the scenes. What I have got, and I don't know if you're if you know anything about this, but she's actually based on a character from English myth. All right. Okay. Did you know no, that? No. Um, which I've never heard of, uh, called Jenny Greenteeth. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now, as I say, I'm, 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 I'm very interested in English mythology, but I've never come across this one before, but apparently Jenny, Jenny Greenteeth was a river hag. Right. Um, and she would pull children uh, or old people into the water and drown and then eat them. Okay. Right. Okay. And it now I thought of you. Um, it, it says, not for this bit, um, she, she was often described as green-skinned uh, with long hair and sharp teeth. But in different parts of the country, she was called different things. So in Lancashire, she was called Ginny Green Teeth. Right. Okay. In Cheshire and Shropshire, she's called Ginny, but with a G, yeah. Green Teeth, or Jenny Green Teeth, or Wicked Jenny, or Peg O'Neill. Do you know any of those names? No, I'll tell you. I'll no. tell you one thing. There's, I've got this Brian Froud book about fairies, and uh, oh, I've got now, that book. Now, one yeah. of them is about uh, our local river here is the River Tees in the northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, where I'm based in uh, Middlesbrough, and uh, there is supposedly like kind of a similar thing, like a kind of a, a, a creature, you know, it, mm. in, it, and he illustrates his character. Now, I, I, the Peg O'Neill thing sounds familiar. I'll have to dig out that book and see what his character was called. Yeah, but she, have to dig, I've, got, I've got it she, somewhere. She's as well. kind of like one of the local kind of, you know, legends. Uh, and when you mentioned Peg O'Neill there, that sounded sort of her. Uh, but yeah, right. that's in, in the fraud. I think it's called fa- fairies and goblins or something. That. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I yeah, I'll, have I'll, I'll have to have a look. But apparently, it, it's it's not restricted to England. Um, um, it, it says that she's likely to been an invention to frighten children yeah. from going near dangerous water. Yeah. Um, um, in Russia, there's something called a ruska. Ruska. Right. Um, in Japan mythology, there it was called a kappa. And in Australia, it was called a bunyip. Right. Okay. Um, but other people see uh, maybe as a memory of sacrifi- sacrificial practices, you know, where you had water gods, where, you, you know, that you that you sacrifice things to. Yeah. Okay. Um, and there, oh, oh, there's one more in Jamaican folklore. It's called the River Mama or River Mother. All right. Okay. So, yeah, it seems to be this, like, universal water 
creature that is a danger to children. So I don't know if that was intentional or what, but uh, it certainly sounds similar to old Meg, doesn't it? Well, that's what I've just uh, remembered. The The name of the guy who wrote uh, Legends uh, screenplay was William Hartsburg, and he did the Angel Hearts movie, you know, the Alan Parker. Yeah, I love that yeah, film. Yeah, it's, it's that guy. And um, I think it might have been in an interview uh, about Angel Heart where I read the, the background about Legend. It was a side sort of story. And that's when he mm. said, yeah, he was a little bit disappointed that it didn't turn out to be as dark as he wanted it to be. You know, he <laughs> uh, he did have this much sort of darker vision of, you know, it's but, uh, yeah, uh, the studio, Tom Cruise and Mia Sara and, you know, those type of people who wanted it to be more of a, a thing. But I think it is one of those movies that yeah, just didn't genuinely know what it wanted to be. And I think that's probably why right. it failed. Um, you know, it, it, Excalibur's obviously, um, you know, fr- from a few years earlier and uh, Excalibur is, you know, quite bloody and there's sex scenes and, you know, things mm. like that going on in there. And it's uh, again, uh, same, same director of photography again, it's uh, Alex mm. Thompson. So, you know, he's, he's, he's fantastic at doing that type of stuff. And um, mm. another thing I always sort of say about um, this sort of era as well is, I mean, as much as I do like the Peter Jackson original, the Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, fellowship, probably be my favorite i feel at times that cinematography did let it down um you know and i think you know there's some of the stuff in legend and films like that which have had much more of a fantastical element mm-hmm. um you know some of the sequences in the lord of the rings um i think when they're going through various environments they're, they're, i know they're, they're using a lot of relocations but i don't necessarily think that's always the way to go with fantasy, I think mm. sometimes you do need something that looks a bit more fan- fantastic. And uh, you know, Ridley Scott did this great thing sometimes of just putting glitter in with the snow just to make it look. Yes. You know, yeah. I mean, it's one of them things. It's ludicrous, but it does make it look magical. You know, it, it does yeah. make it look kind of like more, more kind of like it's a, it's a fantasy world. More fantastic. Yeah, which yes. is which yeah. is what's meant to be. You know, they are fantasies after all, and um, yeah, you know. Um, what you were saying there about it being like Dagobah as well is that, you know, I was never convinced by the Dagobah set. It always did look like a set, but it was a very good set. But I was mm. never ever going to believe that this was a real swamp, you know, because, mm. you know, t- to make it look like a real swamp, then, you know, you'd have to film it outside. And, uh, yeah. you know, they, they don't want to film outside with these type of things because it's, uh, you know, it's your, the, the, the thing of the weather then. Um, yeah. And the lighting's always the same on Dagobah as well, isn't it? That gives it away that it's a... You know, it's a studio. Yeah, set, I think the you know. director of photography on Empire was Peter Suschitsky, and so he did mm-hmm. a, a, a pretty good job. But you know, I always wonder what it could have looked like if someone like Alex Thompson had have lit the Dagobah set. He probably could have made it look. You know, th- there's never any shots on Dagobah where you've got kind of a point light, where you've got sun no. coming through the trees. From you know, you never see the sky really, yeah. apart from that first one when the X-wing crashes. That's the only time you really see yeah, the sky. It, you know. In a way, when you've got an environment like Dagobah, which is just kind of like almost just constantly in its own shadow, it's always just going to look quite flat. Where, you know, yes. if you've got like an environment like in Legend, where you've got sun coming through the trees and you can put the smoke in and the shafts of light, it's always yeah. going to be a little bit yeah, more yeah. magical. And Dag- Dagobah is a little bit gloomy. And uh, yes. I think it does look very flat lit. And that probably, you know, that's why I think Legend looks so good because I think, you know, some of the shots of the, the woods. He did have like a very kind of great thing of making like a almost like a sunlight, mm. and then the set burned down, of course. 
<laughs> too much light. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you reckon then for a, a, a rating, Andrew? Uh, I think it's got to be a 10 because I, I think it's just such a, a memorable sequence, the Meg sequence. And I think it's just such a great, you know, uh, creature design. Uh, you know, I think it said everybody when we came out the cinema was just talking about how great that and darkness was, you know, the, like the, the, the real highlights of the movie, you know, um, oh, certainly overshadowed Tom Cruise performance. Yeah. Tom who? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a shame that he, he doesn't really want to talk about it, but that's, that's up to him. But hmm. All right. Well, I echo everything that you just said there. I'm not as generous. I'm down 0.5 of a point to nine and a right. half, uh, which gives it a 9.75, oh, which really ratchets uh, Meg right up there in the big yeah. league. It, uh, it, it, it's slightly different, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, most of the stuff uh, we've talked about before have been bigger sequences. And this really, like you said, it, it's literally minutes worth of film. Mm. Uh, and it all takes place in the same environment. It's a very isolated incident, but uh, I think it's well worth talking about. Yeah, um, and you know, which is why I asked you along today, Andrew. I'm I'm, I'm glad you could come along for it. Um, I didn't want it to be a solo waffle, and uh, yeah, some of your <laughs> inputs been excellent. So thank you very much for that. Grant. Oh, great. All right. Well, let's have a look on Facebook. Let's uh, keep a look out on Facebook. Let's see what we can find up. Let's see if uh, she has got legs and she knows how to use them. Yeah, yeah well, I'll, I'll, I'll have a dig about and see if I can find. But I'll, I think the Miles Teves pictures are well worth digging from his site. All right. Uh, okay. Because I say he, he definitely did some profiled illustrations with the legs. Uh, okay. I don't know whether she had feet in any of those illustrations, but she certainly had legs. All right. <laughs> Let's see what we can find, shall okay. we? All right. Thank you very much today, Andrew. Uh, thank you for everyone else out there, and see you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>